The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies. And fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello operatives and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host Rob, here with my co-host Don to take a nerdly New Year's look back at 2015 and a gander forward at what we can expect from the nerdly arts in 2016. For this New Year's episode, we've even recruited a special guest, our mutual friend Chad, to help us out. Welcome to the show, Chad. Hello, interweb land. <laughs> now, Chad, this is actually your first time on a podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is, actually. I've listened to many podcasts, but uh, never actually performed in one. Wow. Welcome to the world of podcasting, Chad. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> well, you should be. If you're like any other podcast guest, within a month or so, you'll probably have your own show. Or at least demanding more airtime on this one. <laughs> Probably so, yes. Well, you're always welcome to come back, assuming we don't get lots of hate mail telling us how horrible you are tonight. Yeah, this show's great, except for this guy you brought on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, gentlemen. So, this is our New Year's Eve show. So, in honor of New Year's Eve, I thought we'd look back at 2015 and take a little look forward at 2016. So to start things off, let's look at the best of 2015. So, Chad, why don't you start us off? So what do you think was awesome in 2015? Well, I'm going to uh, narrow down what I thought was awesome into uh, my choices of animated movies. Uh, mostly just that's what I watched the most of. So. Okay, you're our guest. You're welcome to do it. Go ahead. Fair enough. Uh, so I'll narrow it down to three that stood out for me this year when I when I watched. Uh, mm -hmm. One of which was actually a film from last year, but just got released here on DVD and Blu-ray, which was uh, Asterix and the Mansions of the Gods. Oh. Really? They did another Asterix movie? I didn't know they that. They did. Yeah, they did in France. Now, uh, Rob, I think you are familiar with Asterix. Are you of not? course, of course. I had Asterix in my school library growing up, and so yeah, I read okay. a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And Don, did, are you familiar at all with the, uh, oh, yeah, the, the character? The, this is Canada. He, Rob's right about every school had them. That was yeah, how Well, we here's the French. weird thing. Mine didn't. Really? But my, my, yeah, but the libraries did, so that's how I got in. Okay. Um, oh, Weird. That character's history with film adaptations is not great, mm -hmm. but, but this time around, they actually nailed it. Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised with this thing, hmm. like how well it worked. Um, obviously, the story had to be altered ever so slightly to make it more kind of movie story friendly, but not at the cost of screwing up the faithfulness of the source material. So they did a great job with it. Wow. Like I was, I just sat there with a big grin the whole time watching this thing. Oh, okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's uh, you can get it on DVD now. So track hmm. down a copy. It's worth it if you if you're familiar at all with the comics and you like them, you'll enjoy this. Now, are they still making Asterix comics, or did that? I think it was a duo, right? That made Asterix. Are they still There's around? A duo. Yeah. Uh, the The writer fellow passed away years ago. The artist fellow uh, retired, and they have a new guy. Mm -hmm. uh, doing, I think, actually, maybe, possibly maybe a new team doing more books, and they're just copying the style. 
Right, right. They, yeah. they just apparently just released a new volume that was done with this new team. Hmm. So. I shall have to check that out, too, just out of we, curiosity. Yeah, we, we, we sort of take for granted here about how, like, we don't realize, I, well, take for granted is the wrong word, but we certainly don't realize how insanely popular that character is in Europe. Mm-hmm. And in France, particularly in Belgium, so you know they have like a they have a theme park over there for the character. <laughs> You're serious? They have yeah. a theme park? There's an Asterix Land. Uh, I think it's in Belgium. I might be wrong, but yeah, I think yeah. It, I think it is. Yeah. yeah, well, Belgium is I think the comic book capital of Europe, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, because like Tintin's from Belgium too, isn't he? Yep. Every all the cool French comics that you see, those hardcover comics, are all from Belgium for the most part. Wow, the Belgians are awesome. Well, some yeah. of them. Um, cause well, as lot, I said, for the most part. Yeah, because what happened is uh, any of like the, 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 the PG or lower rating ones are probably from Belgium. Anything that's like the, the, I hate the term adult, but a lot of the adult stuff comes out of France proper. Mm, that I'm, sounds right. I'm not exactly sure why, but that seems to be how it goes. They uh, like slightly more mature content. Yeah, I, I was going to guess that there's a higher concentration of perverts over there, but I don't know. <laughs> and there goes our one French viewer. Au revoir, my friend. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> We're now banned in Europe. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Thank you, Chad, um, for that. All right, so what's next on your animation uh, wonder hit list? Uh, Inside Out, which was the, uh, the, the first Pixar movie of 2015. Yes, that's right, because uh, there are two of them. There's two of them. Which uh, I suspect we'll get to the second one later. Oh, uh, we'll get to the second one. <laughs> but uh, this one I liked a lot. I know it's weird. Some people didn't care for it. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought it was good. Solid world-building stuff going on in it. It It's another one of these movies that's not afraid to embrace like a full emotional range of the characters, including like what I refer to as legitimate sad territory. Right. Okay. If you have any familiarity with... Disney movies and the history of Disney films, mm-hmm. there's a thing that old Disney movies used to do, and they actually still kind of do it, which is called fake sad moments. Right. A fake sad moment is when a character is, oh my god, that character is dead now, and they start crying, and you know full damn well he's not dead. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's a fake sad moment. It, right. it's, it's, it's almost like doing some manipulation despite the fact that you know full, full well. They're it's not fun. dead. Yeah, it's fake. Even yeah. even the five-year-old and six-year-olds have figured out it's fake. Yeah, so the characters cry, and then one scene later, everything's great. So Isn't, isn't that a movie uh, thing, though? Like, every But movie the Disney stuff that? sort of really embraced it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it was almost... Like, they were doing it up until... Actually, I can... Off the top of my head, I mean, like, Beauty and the Beast was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably think of some other examples. But what I'm saying is that in this film, they go into sad territory... And it's legitimate sad. Like, it's based in something legit. Right. You know what I mean? So the, it's not just doing this to kind of elicit some sort of knee-jerk response from the audience and then immediately fix it. Right. Right, right. yes, yeah. Before so the I kids like actually get upset. Well, I like it because, you know, as far as like a sort of a storytelling in, in animation here, mm-hmm. things have to happen in baby steps. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, they, we, we, we have to kind of move slowly to get up to like having full mm-hmm. um, storytelling I guess, I don't know, tools where you can go, yeah, I want to tell a story about something that's very heavy. Right. Right. Without it being about, you know, fairy tales. Yeah. I'm not sure we're there yet. 
<laughs> no, we're not. And and the journey to get there doesn't happen overnight. Like you can't jump from Cinderella to Grave of the Fireflies in one step. I not don't here. think Disney is ever going to make Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that as an example of like how right. just culturally here it's a it's a trickier it's a more I guess a steeper slope to climb. Right. Complete side note, did you know that the author of Grave of the Fireflies just passed away? No, I did not. I think that happened last week. Um, there was just a notice about it on the news feeds. Right. Um, hmm. But I, I look at Pixar films as mm-hmm. sort of the thing that has been slowly pushing the envelope. Definitely. For, what you can, for the stories and the type of stories you can tell in animation, which is unfortunately here is predominantly a children's medium. Yeah. Yes. Right? And so when you try to put in stuff or, or elements that will make the parents go, wait, I have to talk to my kids and explain what this means? I don't want that. <laughs> well, exactly. You have to do it gradually, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like dipping your toe in the water and then <laughs> sort of stepping in. So. Why are we kind of trying to work our way back towards it? I mean, we all remember Bambi. Disney yes. did do it once upon a time. Disney stuff was much heavier once upon a time. It, yeah, yeah, and again, that might be side effect of the time period it was done in because it mm-hmm. switched away from it. Definitely. Very quickly. Yeah. He did that one time. Here's the thing, though. Like, the Bambi example is nestled in a movie that's otherwise about cutesy-poo talking animals having antiky adventures. Right. Right. Right? And they put this one little kind of shock moment in it. And then it goes yep. right back to cutesy-poo territory. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'd call, like, the, the, the scene we're talking about in Bambi one little, because that kind of, like, has been traumatizing children for generations. Well, and it traumatizes them because it's so out of left field in that film. Yeah. You look at the rest of that movie, and it's just goofy animal adventures up until that point. And then what's weird is that that event happens, mm-hmm. yeah. and then it jumps right back into it. <laughs> like, you know, We're it's like doing a. I'm, I'm, dead, Bambi. Yeah, it's like doing, um, I don't know, it's like doing a Teletubbies episode where suddenly one of them gets shot, and then, like, a few scenes later, there's a back to doing stuff again. I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> I would probably want. Well,. I think one of the things with the earliest Disney stuff mm-hmm. is I don't think the idea for either people making them or even the audience with that, oh, this is an animated film, it was still kind of just a film at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they it didn't could, become like just for kids. Yeah, like that seems to have happened here, especially with the Disney stuff. Like I think when you get around the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, I, you know, I would always, I always put down Cinderella as the, as the sort of the start of that. Right. Where, oh, we're going to tell Cinderella, but it's not enough just to tell the story. We're going to have to add some talking mice, you know? <laughs> well, technically it goes right back to Snow White, right? The dwarves are basically the talking mice of, of Snow White. Yeah. Well, also at the time though, that film, um, Really is. I mean, we're talking about the infancy of film, mm-hmm. let alone animated movies. So, yeah. you know, they were only like a, a few generations removed from like Betty Boop cartoons. So it was kind yeah. of an anything goes. And they were trying to make stuff that was appealing too, right? That's to true. general audiences. So mm-hmm. you can kind of forgive it there, but. Oh, well, definitely. That, and mm-hmm. remember, remember Snow White had all her little woodland friends too. They just didn't talk. That's true. Exactly. Or wear clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Once you start anthropomorphizing, is that the word for it? No. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I, I'll, so I'll skip to my last thing I, okay, I saw sure. that I thought was cool was, um, and this was film was released here. Thanks to the internet, I got to, or sorry, it's going to be released next year. 
it was done this year, and thanks to the internet, I, I saw it, which was uh, The Little Prince. Oh, okay. I've heard about that. It's I'm... this weird CGI stop-motion mix, which is really cool, actually. Huh. Uh, really interesting story. Um, I don't know how well it's going to fare here, because it's it's a slower and more gently-paced movie, and there's no fart jokes. <laughs> well, that we know of. That, um... No, I saw the whole thing. There ain't a fart joke to be seen in there. Really? So, And that's what worries me, is that I kind of go... This thing is almost so good that I can't see modern audiences, like kids, really going, this is boring. Does it end like the book? Kind of. Wow. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of surprised then, too, that that would get through. Kind of, as best as it can. There is a thing that happens at the end that you kind of can put two and two together and go, oh, that's interesting. Right. Now, if I recall, the story of the little prince isn't that long, is it? Like, the no, original story really. is pretty short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you make, like, a 90-minute film out of that? What they've done is they've created a new story and then integrated that story into it. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a sub-narrative, I guess, for lack of okay. a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do it very well. Um, I, I thought it was cool. Like, it, it made me... I've actually read the book, and it made me want to go out and read it again. Because right. I've, I've forgotten how cool that book was. So. <laughs> hmm. Because that's the thing, that's, they've, uh, twice now in Japan, they've done, like, a full TV series of it. Mm-hmm. Cause they Which did, is weird, they, it's not that long. Yeah, but they, they did the thing where, um, it's not just, he's on his planet and then he comes to Earth, he, like, travels the cosmos and goes to other planets and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Well, so he does in the book, too, but, like, each, each little planetoid is supposed to represent, like, an aspect of humanity kind of thing. Yeah. Or... Which makes sense. Now... If I recall right, there was a version that used to play in French on Canadian TV, or I think it was on TVO maybe, yep. when we were young. Was that a Japanese version? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then they did one just a couple years ago. There was one. Everything old is new again. Yep. <laughs> That's the way it tends to go. Okay, interesting. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. It, it is worth a watch. It's very interesting. Again, I don't know how well it'll... It's going to get a release here, but like... Um, mm-hmm. What was that British film that came out and didn't do very well here? Oh, Shaun the Sheep. Yeah, yeah. Which anyone who's reviewed it said, wow, this is great, I really loved it, and it was completely ignored. Yeah, yeah, it had amazing reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, yeah. so... Yeah, but that's... The, yeah. I, I don't usually go too much by... Like, if you guys mention something, I'll I'll take that, but... I find, like, the online reviews tend to focus more on, um, I guess, quantifiable quality and how well it acquiesces to ideas of this is a good film rather than Mm -hmm. entertaining. Right. I can see that. Well, again, they're pandering to a mass audience, right? Well, it's that, and it's that you're getting reviews out of the educated fan base Mm -hmm. who knows all the shticks for whatever kind of medium or genre they're reviewing. Right. And I find that can hold things back because, again, there'll be an image of this is what a good film of this kind is. And too often, that's what people are are holding up, whatever they're reviewing to. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. I can see that. And anything that falls outside of those narrow parameters, they don't tend to like very much or don't know what to do with. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that could be true. And then that's where you get hardcore nerd rage. <laughs> well, there's nothing like nerd rage. No, there isn't. 
Speaking of which, Don, your turn. So are there any films from 2015 you liked? Or, well, we'll stick with liked for now. Okay, um, I gotta say no. There, there, not that there, there was any any that I thought were like, oh my god, that was awesome. But most of them were just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Mm. One I'm kind of curious about that I haven't seen yet, and the, 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 the last little bit here reminded me of it, is uh, Pixels. Okay. And I'm curious because every review of it I've ever seen is like, it's the dumbest movie ever. And a friend of mine went and saw it, and he said, it's the dumbest movie ever, but he laughed his ass off all the way through it. Right. So I'm kind of curious about that. So you're thinking it could be... um, Fun. I I have a film like that with... uh, uh, What was the Chris Farley movie, the first movie ever did? um... Was it Black Sheep? No, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Oh, okay. I always say to people, Tommy Boy as a film is not good. Tommy Boy as a comedy is fantastic. Uh, It's setting out to be a comedy, and it succeeds, so... Yeah. Hmm. You know. I can see that. Well, Pixels, if I remember right, is based on some short film some people did about, like, weird video game characters showing up in the real world or something. Futurama. (laughs) I don't think it was Futurama. I thought there was an actual short film. There might have been. There is, but Don's right. There's also a Futurama episode that pretty much does the film in ten minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, any film that has Adam Sandler and Peter Dinklage, you know, driving around in weird cars shooting at video game characters, I'm okay with. Well, I'll say this. Having not seen Pixels, I can still say that Futurama... There's a joke in the Futurama episode uh, with Donkey Kong that I guarantee you is better than any Donkey Kong joke in Pixels. You're probably right. <laughs> I'll wait until I see it. To, well, I think I, I think you're, you're, my opinions sway in that way, but I'm going to have to wait to see it. I think that probably yeah, I'll see it on Netflix if Netflix ever gets it, and then then I'll mm-hmm. decide. Right, uh, Don. Did you ever get a chance to track down? Uh, I think it's called What We Do in the Shadows. No, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I, I just saw like an extended ad, and I thought that's like every World of Darkness campaign I ever ran. Yeah, so I think that. Uh, see, I, I can't help but think that if you had saw that, that maybe your oh, okay to answer Rob's question was there anything worth seeing? It might have actually been yes. There was this one movie I saw, which was that. Yeah, that okay. could do it. But for for me, the stinkers are so prevalent that it kind of drowns out every movie I've ever seen in my life. So. Okay, well, we'll get to those in a second. Okay, <laughs> we're staying positive for the first half of the show, and then we're going to go hardcore nerd rage for the second half, all right? I, I was going to say, I can, I can hear Don, like, salivating through the headset. Like... <laughs> okay. It's the medication. It's not me, it's the medication. <laughs> okay, so, in truth, there were a couple movies that I actually did like in this year. Uh, probably my favorite movie, actually, was Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Did either of you see it? I did. Yeah, haven't had a chance yet. I enjoyed it, actually. And I went in with, like, very low to no expectations. Me too. And it was a solid film. I know some people who are a little upset about some of the maybe politics of the film. But as a film itself, it's beautifully shot. It's well-paced. It just kind of grabs you and carries you on a ride to the whole thing. And that, I say that in a good way because it doesn't sacrifice story or character or anything to do that. Hmm. I don't want to call it a, it's an amazing thrill ride. It is, but that makes it sound like it's shallow and meaningless, but it's not. <laughs> it's actually very thoughtful in its own way. And it also does some um, some pretty cool world building stuff, well, I thought. Yeah, I would agree with that. Although my only thing is, is 
is that, wow, if you were to make a Fist of the North Star movie, this is it, pretty much brought to life. Yeah, like you know who to get as director for that thing. Exactly. It's like someone took the original Mad Max movies and filtered them through Fist of the North Star. Well, it's the same guy. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah. But the thing is, I would say that Fury Road is more hyper-real, kind of like a Japanese show like Fist of the North Star, than it is the original Mad Max movies. Hmm. Like, even Beyond Thunderdome, I would argue, is a little more grounded than that movie is. I think he's... Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. And yeah. it's definitely much more colorful than the old ones were. Mm-hmm. Although, I remember reading something recently that the reason that they made Mad Max post-apocalyptic to begin with, like the very original Road Warrior film, was actually because they didn't have the budget to actually shoot in modern locations. Well, but, I thought the... Hold on. I thought the original Mad Max wasn't properly a post-apocalyptic movie that's why they're kind of vague about it well i thought it was more like just society's falling apart but it's not like there was some cataclysmic event that like is there cops in the original movie? yes yeah, and originally but... it was meant to be an actual modern day for australia at the time cop movie but the thing is they couldn't get permits to shoot in the city or anything mm, okay. so the, their solution suddenly it's going to be this uh, wasteland setting in the near future yeah huh it's just funny. I, I I never garnered that from the film. Like they have stores and stuff. I guess I don't know why. I just for some reason it just thought, oh, it's just the culture or the society is just breaking down. Like it's just <laughs> fa- falling apart in the way that like there was some sort of financial crisis, and so this is like the remnants. Well, there was a financial on. crisis. It just happened behind the it, scenes. It's just yeah. Australia. Australia is like that in real life. Yeah, <laughs> and there goes our one Australian listener. Yeah, because <laughs> the ori- the original was. Technically post-apocalypse, because hmm. they do mention that there there was a collapse, and the idea that you're supposed to get is that the the cities are almost like fortresses, mm-hmm. and that's why the cops patrol the wasteland, and that was everything outside of these protected areas was like no go. Right. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I never picked up on that. Yeah, because that was, if you remember, the whole point behind the uh, the Interceptor and playing up Max was that they wanted to give people something to believe in, so they're going to make him a real-life superhero. Oh, that's what was going on. It's been a long time since I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when they when, when the gang shows up, when the, the toe cutter shows up, they uh, kill off his family, and he just completely, like, freaks out because he didn't want the, the job in the first place. Mm-hmm. At, at the beginning, he's just like a really average kind of guy. Okay, mm. so it was kind of thrust upon him. Yeah. And then that's, okay, that makes sense. Okay, I can see that. Because huh. I, I thought in the second one, they uh, they full out go, yeah, so there was nukes. And... Yeah. Yeah, the second one they did. Right. Yeah, the second one is the most stereotypical post-apocalyptic movie ever. Well, in the sense it's become the standard, right? Yeah, I was going to say, because that's the one that every post-apocalypse movie that anybody our age or younger has seen, that's what they're ripping off. I mean, paying homage to... Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think I think they started the whole trend of um, sports gear as armor. Yep. <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> Which would carry on to even things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still... I mean, it's still being felt today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. Uh, what else did I enjoy? Um, I also enjoyed the new Mission Impossible movie, actually. I heard I mean, I heard that for somewhere. what it was, it was pretty good. Hmm. Um, it was a, a story put together to create a set of stunts, basically, and, you know, make Tom Cruise look cool. But except for that, 
it actually was well put together. I mean, it was fun to watch. You you enjoyed it. You didn't feel dumb watching it. And the stunts were really amazing. I, I'll give them points on that. <laughs> and a lot of them, you could tell you're really looking at Tom Cruise doing the stunts. And I got to give him props for that. And the other spy movie, oddly enough, I enjoyed this time around was Man From U.N.C.L.E. Wow. Which I know some people didn't go to see because it didn't do that well overall. But it actually had a really nice style and flair to it and a really unconventional spy movie ending that I really enjoyed. Hmm. So I would say I enjoyed both of those a lot. In fact, I enjoyed them much more than, say, I did, say, the Marvel movies that came out this year or most of the other big blockbusters, except, obviously, for Mad Max. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other movies from this year, like... Again, I guess you didn't also uh, get a chance to see that, What We Do in the Shadows? No, I didn't, unfortunately. I've seen the preview for it, but I haven't actually seen it. I do want to see it sometime, though. Oh, my hmm. God, do I want to see that? <laughs> the chore wheel thing. <laughs> it's been on there for, like, forever. <laughs> okay, then. I guess we shall unleash the dogs of war. <laughs> what are All right, we? Chad. So, since you're our guest, what didn't you like in 2015? Um, okay, I'm going to lead up to this mm-hmm. with what I refer to as the iffy category. Okay. okay. I can understand. The iffy category is uh, films that there's elements of it I liked, but it's still, I walked away from it going, eh. <laughs> uh, one of which was Peanuts. Interesting. Okay, the Peanuts movie. Uh, the Peanuts movie, when people ask me about it and they say, like, did you like it or did you not like it? I, I, I said, well, it's not so much of a film as it is. It's like an experiment in determining whether the classic 2D Peanuts style can be done in 3D. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the answer is yes. It can be. Like, you can tell the people that worked on it had respect and they liked the source material a lot. Mm-hmm. They, they really heavily referenced it, you know, uh, in the early TV specials. But... Charlie Brown is one of those things that it's hard to make a movie out of it because of what it is. It's just a kid doing kid stuff, and there's only so much you can hold someone's attention with that. Like, that's why it works so well as a 20-minute special and not an hour-and-a-half-long movie. Right. <laughs> you know, um, so I enjoyed it, yes. Uh, they did an amazing job with it. Would I ever watch again? Eh, probably not. Okay. I'm surprised I, they I, didn't I, just make it the Snoopy movie. It almost becomes that. They had to interject a lot of Snoopy stuff. There's an actual subplot that goes along in Snoopy's imagination. And I think of course. that's there to offset the groundedness of the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so they it's like the CGI guys were going, but wait, we can't do like spinning camera shots? Come on. Like, all right, look, <laughs> we'll do these imaginary sequences and you can go berserk with the camera. Oh, okay. Phew. Thanks. And they you did. Know. And they did. And that was kind of the... And now, in that regard, it worked. Because it's like, okay, the minute we go into imagination land, Mm -hmm. the camera goes nuts. Right. Other than that, they shoot that thing exactly like you would have seen in an old... You know, like the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Were they Rankin Bass? No, that was Bill Melendez was the... uh, Productions was the guys who used to do those. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, So, it... It's good for what it is. Uh, it's just, I'm not sure if it needed a movie. Hard to say. Probably so not. Was if, it was iffy. Um, the other one was The Good Dinosaur. Okay, and, and this know, falls under the iffy category. Because there's stuff in it I really liked. Okay. But the problem is, let me put it to you guys this way. You ever watch a movie where you have trouble getting into it because it's not doing a good job of selling you its core idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's this film. Oh. The core idea 
yeah, the whole time you're watching it, you're going, but wait, and dot, dot, dot. <laughs> right? So right. the basic concept, as you've probably seen from the trailers, is, you know, millions of years, the dinosaurs avoid their intended extinction event, and now they've evolved into pretty much what they were back then, but now they maintain crops and herd cattle and speak in West, Western drawls. Right. And so you're, the whole time you're just watching this going, but I don't understand. <laughs> like, it just pulls you out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, well, they've evolved, but they haven't evolved hands. Why are they building farms? Mm. <laughs> with their mouths. That's the weird thing with this movie. It's strange. And then they introduce humans, which I'm like, well, now the dinosaurs are screwed because a species just showed up that has opposable thumbs. They're doomed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, you, know, know? you know what's funny when you say that, though? Is it, it reminds me, there's a lot of, like, especially, like, kids' films that will do that. Mm-hmm. That they set something up, and this is supposed to be the good, happy, wonderful event. But when you stop and think about it, it's like, and this is where the apocalypse happens for all these people. <laughs> you could say that this thing is like, yeah, it's like the second extinction event that, yeah, that meteor missed them, but the humans aren't going to, you know. Yeah. Hmm. That's what it feels. Well, that's the weird thing about the movie because, again, there's still these kind of big lumbering dinosaurs that build, say, uh, grain silos by picking up boulders with their mouths. Uh huh. Uh huh. And you're like, that's not going to do well with against a thing that can build a tool. Nope. <laughs> you know. So, like, you don't even get a sense that there's a culture here. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a strange film, and so because of that, you spend the whole time outside of it, just kind of going, but wait. Well, hold on. Wait, wait. What this is happening now, or why is this going on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there yeah. isn't that. You never really get deep enough into it to to let that go. Because if the film's doing a good enough job, you won't even question it. Even if there is problems, you kind of don't care, right? And it didn't do. A, I, I felt it, it just didn't do a very good job of sort of selling me on that, mm. right? Right. Okay. It's like the discussion, Rob, that you and I have had with Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which is. Wow, Harry Potter sure is a lot of fun until you think about it. Well, yes. I mean, Hogwarts is an amazing place until your kid dies going to it because of the death traps. Yeah, or the, the, the forest full of dangerous creatures that's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from, like, you know, where you go to eat lunch. Exactly. Don't, don't forget hey. the apathetic staff. Oh, yes, yeah, the staff exactly. who don't care, yeah. 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 There's a dragon killing everybody. Oh, I'm on lunch. <laughs> So I'll tell you what, I'll mm-hmm. stop with that. You guys go into your hate thing and actually back to me for my hate thing. Actually, I was going to uh, <laughs> add an iffy film of my own. Um, in my case, though, I'm not going to go animated, obviously. Mm-hmm. My iffy film would be Ant-Man. Mm, okay. Because I kind of consider Ant-Man a near miss. Like, I can't say that it's a bad film. And I know many people who really enjoyed Ant-Man and thought it was probably the better of the year's two Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that... It's a disjointed film. Um, have you seen Ant-Man, Chad? I have. Okay, and have you seen it, Don? Parts. You've seen parts of it, okay. It's a movie with an identity crisis. And I think that comes from the fact that it was developed for years by Edgar Wright, and then he got basically yanked off the project because it wasn't going to be Marvel enough, I guess. <laughs> and then they put in a director who made it the Marvel way. It's still got Edgar Wright's characters and comedy there but at the same time it's got these weird marvel slightly more serious hard action sequences and they don't quite fit together no in fact you can even see when i watched that movie with a couple of friends of mine we were like wow uh 
it's the best attempt at doing Edgar Wright without doing Edgar Wright, but still not <laughs> getting it. Mm-hmm. Like, what I'm saying is the timing was off in that movie for us. Like, we watched it going, we can imagine this, because it's all there. Mm-hmm. Like, all the, 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 the jokes and the way he sets up right. sort of uh, shots. But the timing, his timing is really sharp, and it felt laggy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. When I, I watched this movie, like, you're watching it going, you know, if Edgar Wright had been directing this, he would have cut that joke off right there. Mm-hmm. And instead, it drags out for another few minutes, and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. And the, you know what bugged me, and I don't know why, it, it bugged me in the trailer, it bugged me in the film, was the fight in the girl's bedroom at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that thing didn't work for me. It, I guess it's because they were really in, wildly inconsistent. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, so they apparently have the mass and the strength of full-sized people, right? Even though they're tiny. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why is he threatened by Thomas the Tank Engine? <laughs> well... Yeah, it's weird. It's like the same problem of, like, how does he run down a gun barrel? Yeah, good point. Right? If he's got the same mass... If he's got the mass, it would force the barrel down. Yeah, you're right. It'd be too heavy to hold. Yeah. They should have just... uh, (laughs) They should have just explained away with, because science, that's why. Exactly. Or all they had to do was say something to the effect of that they're not just manipulating their size, they're also manipulating their weight or density or something like that at the same time. And they can they can dial it up or dial it down. That's all they had to say. Well, you can always use the old Marvel excuse of see uh, their weight and mass goes interdimensionally. Uh, <laughs> oh, gravitron. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah, so but, for well, sorry, go. Oh, ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say it's that it's that typical problem that you run into where they they overstep and try to explain too much instead of mm-hmm. just going because super science. Very true. There's right. Instead of going, you know, like you look at Godzilla, doesn't make sense because he couldn't support his own mass. But you don't bring that up. You just go, <laughs> yep, there's a big fire-breathing dinosaur right there. Yep, there and it shoot is. Shoot rockets at it, and it's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Going to be awesome. <laughs> there, there's a solution to that. Oh? Remember, just repeat to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> What's that from? You don't know what that's from? Rob, come on. That's <laughs> oh. how I feel like I've lost my nerd card. <laughs> it's, okay, it's fine. It's a show from a not-too-distant future. Um, MST3K. There we go. Yeah. Well, you're right. It's definitely <laughs> from a not-too-distant future because apparently they made their funding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be one of the things we can talk about for 2016, though. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> Okay, so unless Don has an iffy film he wants to talk about, I guess we can move on to the stuff that we hated. <laughs> I gotta say, for me, um, movie-wise, mm-hmm. I can't think of too many this year that I absolutely hated. Mm-hmm. But I understand your iffy thing, because that, to me, is kind of how most like movies and TV are these days. That you mm-hmm. watch, there may be a couple things you go, well, that was kind of neat. And then the rest of it's like an eyeball massage, and an hour later you completely forgot you saw it. Yep, pretty much. And that's that's kind of, for me, how, how movies... That's one of the reasons I don't go see... I wait for stuff to show up on cable, so I see it like three months after everybody else. But there was nothing, Dawn, that stood out for you? It was like, you watched and went, ah, oh, damn it, and you just <laughs> stopped halfway through? Or Well, there was a lot of stuff that I did, like... Most of the big, like, big blockbuster stuff, I do that, but I get, like, halfway, and it's like, eh, I know where this is going, and then I get on with my life or pop in, like, you know, another Rift Tracks disc or something. Hmm. 
So it, it doesn't make any an impact. And it's because um, a lot of it's very formula. Like it's very, it's predictable. And I don't particularly care for that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But you see some, or something will be entertaining enough that you're like, well, that was okay. So you can't really hate it. And it didn't really suck, so you can't say, that was terrible. It was just kind of there, and then it goes away. Well, for myself, even the film that I disliked of the year, um, the big blockbuster film that I disliked anyway, which would have been The Avengers Age of Ultron, Mm -hmm. I would actually say that it's also really an iffy film, because it does actually have its moments, but it leans on the bad side of iffy, as opposed to Ant-Man, which I'd say leaned (laughs) on the good side of iffy. Um, okay. It's it's iffy with potential. It's versus... exactly <laughs> iffy with actually here iffy as a near miss, whereas iffy as um, going almost went down in flames. I suppose would be the opposite. <laughs> um, because Avengers: Age of Ultron, for me anyway, I did not like it at all. I was not uh, impressed by it. It had a few moments that I did like, but it just proved to me that uh, Joss Whedon is an amazing TV director who should stay directing TV. Mm. Well, you know, it's funny when I watched that movie, I, uh, I, I, you could really see what I refer to as the buffiness creeping into it. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by uh, that? What I mean is the way Ultron is portrayed in that film. He's like a buffy villain. Oh yeah, because he's very quippy and very... He's very quippy, and he's got like this sass. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All the buffy villains were all sass. That's what they like, were. He really, they they almost should have just gone the full. Uh, nine yards and given him like metallic blonde hair that he could flip <laughs> with, with some defiance. Right. That would have been so much better <laughs> because it was only, it was only a step away from that. And I think that's for me is what undermined that movie is that mm. he never comes off in that film as sort of this legitimate threat. He's this kind of, he's almost like throwing a big temper tantrum. Yeah. Like he that's really a, is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're exactly right. He's basically throwing a temper tantrum because his daddy doesn't love him. Daddy yeah. being Stark in this case, I guess, kind of, sort of, maybe. Who builds their robots with sarcasm circuits? Mm-hmm. Like, well, apparently Tony Stark does. Uh, I was going to say also, I found with that movie is that you're starting to see it, uh, like the the franchise starting to. It's like you. How do I put this? It's groaning under its weight. I would agree that. You know, they're, it's like, okay, we have to make sure to not only cram a bunch of new characters into this, but also reference a bunch and set up the next round of mm-hmm. yeah. films. Yep. And it's just kind of like, yeah, it's like, guys, just go ahead and tell the story straight ahead and give me some fights. I'll, I'm happy. You don't have to <laughs> set everything up way in advance, right? Right. No, no, See, I agree with you. I, well, I think some of it also is that the Marvel movies have a f- clear formula, and unfortunately that formula is starting to run its course. Mm. I think people are just getting tired of it, or maybe just we're getting tired of it and everyone else still loves it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the movie made money, so I'm not sure if the audience is getting yeah. tired of it. Per se. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I think the Marvel movies have at least another couple of years before they really start to, I guess you could say, collapse under their own weight, or maybe the audience gets tired of them. Yeah, right around the time where they get insanely expensive. (laughs) That's exactly when they're going to go. See, you know what, though? Because I think you guys are kind of hitting at something that's my problem with a lot of the superhero movies, especially, like, say, the Marvel ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Is the Marvel Universe in the comics is big. There's, like, all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff going on. Whereas the movies, they keep ensmallening it. So, like, everything that happens, S.H.I.E.L.D. did it. 
Mm-hmm. Like, Tony Stark builds Ultron. Well, no, that was Henry Pym who built Ultron in the comics. But, but hold on a sec. I actually think that was a good move. I think it actually makes more sense for Stark to build Ultron than it does for Henry Pym to build him. The problem, though, when you start doing that is you get, like, the Marvel movies with a lot of franchises where the only thing interesting that happens in the entire universe happens to the same five people all the time. That's definitely a problem, yes. And and especially, like, a superhero setting, especially if you look at, like, Marvel or DC, one of the things that made them interesting is they have this weird cottage industry and mad science Mm -hmm. where any idiot in his basement who got kicked out of MIT and I'll show them can build like the ultimate doomsday device that wreaks havoc and you just never know what's going to happen. And sometimes like, cause as I recall, yeah, Henry Pym built the original Ultron back in the sixties in his basement. Pretty much. Yeah. And when you start tying everything together, like the marketing wants you to do with the, the movies, it does make, it makes the place seem really small. I know what you're getting at, Don. I, I do agree with that. I, I will say, though, I do sort of side with Rob on this, that for the context of the what they built with the Avengers movie, it, it does make more sense for Stark to build it. But at the same time, it's like, or it could have just been built by a third party. That's a possibility. Like, yeah. that never comes up. Well, it's sort like, of. Remember, in the movie, Ultron's consciousness is actually an AI that they found in the alien warships from the first Avengers movie. Right, but what I'm saying is, could it have not been put into something else? Like, what, what I'm saying is, could have someone else have built the Ultron body? Yeah, you're right. They could have done it that right? way. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it could have been that, like, versus, oh no, it's just the characters that we know about. Mm-hmm. It's It's got that sort of, uh, there's a term a friend of mine has for that called the toy box mentality, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like, okay, uh, one of the characters, this, this, this event needs to happen. Someone needs to build a killer robot. Well, let's open up our toy box and see who it could be. <laughs> right. Like, that's what it is, right? Like, you get, this is why you get Darth Vader building C-3PO, because mm-hmm. it couldn't possibly be just a random thing they just picked up somewhere. Right. Yeah, right. I think it does come back to the whole Marvel mentality, though. Remember, in every Marvel movie, the villain is the result of the hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got to have the heroes creating the villains. Otherwise, there's not that quote-unquote drama. Well, and worse, the, not only is the uh, the uh, villain created by the hero, but it's like this bizarre mirror opposite of them. Like, exactly. Right, almost down to their powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. Well, sometimes. Sometimes like it isn't. And I think that's they're doing that in the movies more because, again, more money, you take less chances. They're trying to to do it, quote-unquote, and I'm doing the finger quotes, the right way, which is you tie everything in together because then it looks like you have a solid backstory when, again, to me, all you're doing is ensmalling your universe. Mm, True. Mm -hmm. Marvel always had that problem, too, because apparently every alien invader, uh, supervillain, or crazed ancient god attacks New York and nowhere else. Yeah. Hmm. That's true. Actually, I always I always like the Gamera Three movie where they actually explain why monsters keep going after Tokyo, mm-hmm. specifically because they're drawn to like what's called like mana reserves. Right, right. But in, so that's yeah. But in the Gamera movies, that makes sense because all the monsters are basically mana or like life energy powered creatures. They're almost magical. Yeah. 
Yeah. But they've actually put in a, a funny little reasoning to it, which I thought was cute. Yeah. Okay, know? yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, There's no, no other reason why Godzilla keeps going to Tokyo. I think they tried to make it at one point, wasn't it, that he went after nuclear reactors, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think in the 90s movies he would kind of refuel. Well, 80, with, uh... 84 did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so did um, so did uh, uh, the the one where he dies, where he over he overloads um, Space Godzilla. No, uh, versus Destroyer. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, it makes sense, right? You're like, okay, well, if that's what his his power source is, mm-hmm. there's plenty of that kicking around, you know. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Right near population. Although, centers. yeah, generally you don't build nuclear reactors right next to your major cities. Well, you... no, but he's going through the city to get to it. Yeah. Except they build them in Japan on the, you know, the shore. That's kind of what happened with the whole Fukushima reactor thing. It's Mm -hmm. on the shore. Most of the reactors are on the coast. Yeah, because it's it's that or a volcano. So, Well, okay, ballot point. (laughs) Put it in a volcano. Nothing's going to go wrong there. (laughs) Wait, I saw this movie. (laughs) Okay, well, all right. So, yeah, Age of Ultron, Marvel movies. eh. Uh, Anyway, so I wasn't that happy with it. Okay, Chad, were there any movies that you particularly didn't like this year? Okay, well, within the animated spectrum, the mm-hmm. stuff that I was like, Ugh. Uh, well, let's see, Dragon Ball Z, Resurrection F. I actually saw this. You actually thing. saw it? Okay. I was curious. Okay. To which I, my review of it is the same old shit now with blue hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, so they introduce a new Super Saiyan formula, I assume, that gives them blue hair now, right? Yeah, and they resurrect an old bad guy, and I'm like, that's not a good territory to be in, because the minute you start doing that, mm-hmm. you're almost out of ideas. Right. Yeah. Like, we'll just bring back an old guy. I'm like, really? You're, okay. Yeah, but they, you know. they did that in the original, because during, like, the Majin Buu thing, remember when when Goku is in, in, in heaven and hell there, he runs into all the old guys he killed. Yes, I believe that was only in the in the animation, though. I don't think that actually happened in the uh, in the comic. Mm-hmm. That was something they just added as a joke, right? But... Well, a joke or maybe <laughs> just filler, considering that thing is huge amounts of filler. Oh, insane <laughs> amounts of filler. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, I watched uh, Space Captain, or sorry, Space Pirate Captain. I always get this wrong. Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw that this year too. Yeah. Who's the fellow that's responsible for that? And Galaxy Lijia uh, Matsumoto. Yes. I've always been a little lukewarm with his stuff, and this film didn't really do a lot to help change that opinion. Actually, Leji. Wait, it should be Leji Matsumoto. He writes his name weird. Sorry. Leji Matsumoto. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I was bored to tears with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that there was effort. Like, effort was put into it, but I just can't get into this thing. I don't know what it is. Hmm. I'm actually a fan of his work. I mean, I've seen some of his stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. Especially the very original Captain Harlock animated series is actually pretty good. Um, right. I like Yamato and and Galaxy Express is also pretty nifty. But I gotta agree with you about that movie though. It was a really clunky retelling of Harlock via Final Fantasy almost. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah, there were so many Final Fantasy elements in it, and style wise, it was very Final Fantasy. It is a proper Harlock story. In that, you know, it even has the proper Harlock ending. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still... Yeah, I agree with you. Even as a fan, it didn't really work for me either. Um, I was left kind of cold uh, by it. I was gonna... I, I can't properly say Minions because I didn't see it. Okay, uh, you can slam Minions. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's... Look at... Do it. Minions Do it. is a weird thing. Well, here's the thing with Minions. 
it makes a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you can't expect a studio to not dip into that and go, well, yeah, there's this thing that generates cash. Why wouldn't we make it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, though, the damage it causes by everyone rushing out to see what I refer to as the Jingly Keys movie of animation, <laughs> mm-hmm. it worries me because it's what studio executives garner from that huh. and go, well, we need to make more of this. In fact, we should take some of the stuff that made Minions so popular mm-hmm. and such a merchandising juggernaut and apply it to stuff that maybe you shouldn't do that on. Mm. Right. Right? So it's almost that kind of like whatever steps Pixar manages to make like headway mm-hmm. with something like Inside Out, it's almost like you worry that that gets thrown out the window when Minions comes along and makes bazillions of dollars. Right, it's sucking yeah. away the financial energy from other films that are much better. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, these films are not cheap to produce, so they're obviously going to go, well, let's pepper this stuff with the things that is guaranteed to bring in money. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Right, so you can't blame them, but at the same time, I... I look at this and go, well, this may not be a good thing. <laughs> See, hmm. that's that's the kind of thing I understand, because you mentioned, like, the new Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. And Dragon Ball Z, for me, is kind of what killed Japanese comics and cartoons. Mm-hmm. Because so many of them turn into Dragon Ball Z. Right. And and you you see that all like that was my problem with things like Naruto and Bleach and we've talked about like even One Piece gets into some of that where and we have to beat this ultimate guy and then he's beaten and there's these other ultimate guys that you know you probably should have mentioned before but if we only train and can achieve the inevitable MacGuffin we'll be able to beat them and then the next and and it you, you see it in like everything. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I will agree with Rob, though. In a previous podcast, you guys touched on this. And One Piece is at least smart enough to set those the big bads up way in advance. Like, there isn't, yeah. like... Because I know what you're talking about, Don. It's the it's the secret big bad that just shows up mm-hmm. after the current one is defeated. Whereas One Piece was at least smart enough to set that up way in advance, going, no, here they all are, right there. Yeah. Um, and also, I will give One Piece this, is that unlike... Dragon Ball and Bleach and Naruto, it never loses sight of its setting. Mm-hmm. Like, the setting is still very much a character that it doesn't abandon because, let's face it, you look at a lot of things like Dragon Ball, it degenerates into, okay, they're out in the middle of this uh, desert and they fight. Yeah. Right? Like, whereas at least One Piece, there's an actual storyline affecting the world, affecting the setting. They go to new locales that are interesting. It's not all... Like, I remember Bleach. I, I read Bleach for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the minute they just started going into these alternate dimensions that is, you know, basically consisted of a castle and a void. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I'm not really interested in this anymore. Yeah, right. I mean, Rob, you had mentioned, too, that Naruto starts off with a very interesting setting that slowly gets abandoned. Yeah. As it just turns into a power leveling exercise. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of yeah. come back to it. At some points in the story, but basically Naruto turns into ninja guys with superpowers running around in the woods fighting each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I say woods, I mean vaguely tree-like backgrounds. (laughs) It's it's actually a shame because if you look at like the early Dragon Ball comic, Mm -hmm. when it first started, there's a setting there that's actually really fun and interesting. This kind of weird, it's like a fantasy world, but there's tech in it. it's, It's Dr. Slump with martial arts. Yeah, like there's yeah, it's like there's a town, and then outside the town is a forest with dinosaurs in it. Yeah, 
which is which awesome. is fun, and that just gets thrown right out the window the second they go into space. Yeah. Well, even you in, know, because I remember like um, in the, the the first few issues of the uh, the Bakuman comic, mm-hmm. they talked about that. Remember that will always seem to be the uh, the the last resort for saving your comic was to turn it into a quote unquote battle manga. Which That's we all know, it, it's Dragon Ball Z. Make it Dragon Ball Z, and I've I've seen so many things that 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 did that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I don't know if I've I've mentioned uh, the one that really I noticed it was uh, when they were doing Rosario Vampire. Mm-hmm. Like it starts and it's Urusei Yatsura with monsters, and and I'm reading it, it's like it's kind of funny, and then like volume two it takes this like weird out of left field super dark turn Mm -hmm. and you're like that that was different but still interesting and then after that it's like and now we must fight the student council and when we beat them there's it oh okay whatever i'm done right (laughs) so i actually actually like the uh the basic core idea of that comic i thought was funny which was the guy ends up at a monster school by accident yeah because nobody else will take him (laughs) yeah and then he has to pretend to be a monster or he'll get eaten. Yeah. He's, he's basically, he's nice guy. Ataru is what he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that was interesting. And it's like, well, this is kind of, and then, yeah, all of a sudden, and then these other guys and they fight. <sighs> what? <laughs> well, and they fight makes a lot of money. It, it kind of does. Cause if you, if you look at like, say for, for the Japanese, uh, mm-hmm. comic and cartoon industry they've been saying for a while now that it's in trouble because sales are dipping and i think mm-hmm. it's because your biggest publishers and producers aren't experimenting like they used to do mm, true uh, uh, don curiously because i never stuck with the comic that long mm-hmm. but does it do that same fault of like setting what setting they got a train to fight um i read up until i think the end of the first part and they still have a setting, except they start coming to, like, the human world at a certain point. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting, except they come to the human world, where there's a monster they fight! And you're like, oh my god, really? We have to mm. stay hidden, except for all of these other monsters that apparently have been peppering society all... Really? Okay. And then I think... And then it falls apart, because then the story they crafted about keeping all the monsters hidden at the beginning doesn't make sense if there are all these other ones running around. <laughs> and and then it really, like I say, it was really jarring, because I could see an edit, like a chief editor standing over the guy's shoulder going, nope, more Dragon Ball. You could see it. Right. right. Um, another one that kind of did that was uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! comic. I enjoyed the first few volumes, because it was all kind, it was, it was like games to the death. I was like, this is different and weird. And then you can see the part where, nope, Dragon Ball with cards, do it. And you can, like, it literally turns into that, like... Yes, as they refer to it, second season. Well, of the TV show, yeah. 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 It's all, like, power building, right? Yeah. Or in this case, deck. it's deck building. Yeah, deck yeah. building, yeah. Fake power building through decks, sort no, of. It's all the same stuff. And then there's this other ultimate super rare card that if we get, we can... You realize somebody's printing these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that, and that's what drives me nuts about like uh, kids collect things and make them fight is that they always have this weird mystic thing but nobody realizes no this is being manufactured so it's not like you've discovered the Ark of the Covenant actually mm-hmm. in the Yu-Gi-Oh setting do they 
Like, I, I've only watched a bit of the cartoon, and I read a bit of the manga, like the early ones that you mentioned, mm-hmm. where it was kind of a, you know, monopoly to the death scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those were pretty cool, actually. I've read some of those myself. Yeah. Yeah, but do they actually say, like, the cards, they just go to a store and buy, like, a package of them kind of thing? Like, or did the cards actually are, like, secretly some sort of mystical thing that somehow gets around to people? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the... I the sort of think context for what are. little I've seen of the actual like Yu-Gi-Oh card battle, monster battle thing, I think they kind of sidestep it. By which I mean the they have these cards, and I think they do make a reference at the beginning that they are actually, of course, buying them at the local store. You know, they're getting them yeah. at the local Seven Eleven. But I think they very quickly kind of push that into the background and kind of just pretend that that's that these cards are spontaneously coming from god or something like that well what what because oh sorry go ahead oh, no. No, you go ahead i was just gonna say like could they not do an episode then where like they have to face the uh the card manufacturer chairman's son who has all the best cards they did that was what the did uh, they actually do that well that was what uh oh, what the hell was his name kaiba kaiba that's what he was but what what they did because i saw like the end of the show because it, mm-hmm. it used to be on when I got home from work and all the cool, violent Japanese cartoons were on, like, Sunday and I used to watch. Um, they did this thing where supposedly it's based on, like, ancient spells that the, the ancients could capture monsters and lock them in tablets. Mm-hmm. And the cards are a modern interpretation of that. And they were really vague about that connection, but it was almost the idea of, like, sympathetic magic. Okay. That you couldn't just crank out, like, giant death dragon cards because there's only, like, one giant death dragon and and he's sealed away in this ancient tablet and somehow the... And, and it's really vague. And that, again, was why I could easily have seen it was an editor going, nope, nope, more cards, more cards. Because all of that stuff, it's all ad hoc. And it really right. kind of starts feeling like it once you get into it. Right. Well, and it, it's obviously going to have to fall into that because it's it's based around a game that you're selling. Yeah, mm-hmm. Magic right? the Gathering. So they they have no choice, I guess. Mm. But they did that with all. I remember what was the one with the tops, Beyblade. Yeah, yeah. yeah Beyblade. Kids would get tops and they'd fight, but then there's these like magic tops that have monsters and and really, it's a top. You went to the <laughs> store and bought it. Oh, that drives me. Well, that's nothing. Wait till they bring out the Jax cartoon next year. <laughs> well, they've oh. had they've had so many of of the, and and again, it's it's that idea that once something works, yeah, everybody runs with it. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, I think every like nerdly movie that's come out here in the last ten years has been plucky, attractive young teenagers overthrow oppressive society. <sighs> what? No. Okay. What? Did they get well, the carousel that's yet? That's what happens <laughs> when the Star Wars generation finally starts making movies. Well, I mean. No, I think that's what happens when Harry Potter makes a lot of money. Well, there's that too. Yeah. Mm. I think but even Harry Potter, let's face it, has some of that Star Wars influence, right? Yeah. So, actually speaking of which, I think that's a good point to segue into the next segment, which is what do you see looking forward to 2016? Pain. Okay. Can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny because just before we started doing this, Don and I were, were talking together about uh, when when you had sent an email out about well, we'll talk about we'll touch on what's coming up in 2016. That caught me off guard. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm rushing through like a list and went, wow, there's a lot here. I kind of don't care. About. <laughs> um, there's some that I looked at and went, wow, that's going to be interesting. Like I saw a trailer for a thing called uh, what was it? I got the list here in front of me. Um, hmm. Uh, 
Gods of Egypt. Mm. Okay. Which which I described to Don as it really should be retitled White Egypt the video game. <laughs> oh yes, I've heard about this film. Yeah, uh he is Kratos. Yeah. You almost you're half expecting to see like on-screen game controller prompts <laughs> while you're watching the footage because it's like watching a video game. Okay. <laughs> My uh, the Egyptians weren't white, folks. I hate to break it to everybody. <laughs> this is strange. Sure they Very were, Chad. Movie. Sure they were. There's a lot for me. I don't know. Like, I, I, I know everyone's losing their collective minds over this Batman-Superman thing, and I, I kind of don't really have that much interest in it, to be honest. Well, yeah. actually, the collective mind-losing kind of stopped about a week or so ago when they released the trailer for it that actually showed pretty much the entire story in three minutes, and everyone went, lame. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That had an abrupt halt. Uh, Go watch the trailer sometime. You'll understand why. Yeah. Okay. Because, what is it, Lex Luthor basically is, what's the best way to describe Almost a Jim Carrey character. (laughs) Oh. Imagine Jim Carrey as Lex Luthor. And I don't mean serious Jim Carrey. I mean comedic Jim Carrey. Oh, does Lex Luthor at some point, like, bend over and start talking out of his ass? Not quite, but it gets there. <laughs> yeah, but that's, see, it, and everybody's like, oh my god, what'd they do? The, the Gene Hackman one was kind of along those lines, too. Like, he, he that's wasn't... True. He wasn't like And everyone hated him, too. He was one of the worst parts of those movies. Yeah, but everybody totally loved the, uh, the Reeves Superman. Like, Except for that him. part. In well, my see, experience, anyway. See, I've never heard a lot of people, people talking about that, but... I, no, I, that's the one part. For me, the Reeves Superman stops being cool pretty much as soon as Luthor actually gets active there at the end. With his evil real estate scheme. Exactly. And Superman trying to turn the world time back by spinning the world or something like mm. that. Um, I, I actually saw uh, uh, the Zootopia teaser. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen that. What yeah. is that? That's the um, anthropomorphic animal movie that, that Disney's putting out next year, which is basically just, what if animals thought they were people? Like, there's no humans, it's just animals with pants. <laughs> so it's a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, like, you know, it's that joke of, like, there, there's a clip running around online, which is actually very funny, where they go to a, a DMV and all the people behind the uh, the counters are sloths. Right. <laughs> that is kind of cute. It is very cute. Like, I look at the movie and go, okay, this is just being unapologetically fun. Mm. So I don't care. That's fine. Great. Make me laugh. Awesome. Right. You know, I watched that little teaser uh, with a bunch of people. We all laughed our heads off and thought, okay, well, you you just sold me on it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Actually, um, in the last week, three trailers have basically dropped. Uh, The trailer for the new X-Men movie, which made mm -hmm. me not want to see it either. (laughs) <laughs> um, the trailer for the new Star Trek movie which made me not want to see it In case, oh I didn't know that was that oh no it it came out this morning what happened is someone leaked <laughs> a German copy of the trailer and it's this crappy oh. German copy and the studio panicked because of course people are watching this crappy German copy and they're like crap so they released a new one in HD that was not supposed to premiere until this weekend with the new Star Wars film coming out and the other one was oh yeah the new trailer for the new Independence Day movie. Uh, what, what? Now here's the worst part of those three trailers. The one that looked the best was the trailer for the Independence Day movie. Seriously, 
I think I've been seeing a lot of screen caps for it, which is like I guess the idea that humans took all the uh, yeah the, humans the crashed took... spaceships and, and approximated the technology. You something. know what it is? It's basically Macross, you know, Robotech, yeah. except without the transforming, you know, robot fighter planes. They've got the fighter yeah. planes; they're just not transforming robots. Yeah. Not okay. that we can tell from the trailer anyway, but basically it's Macross. That's what it looks like oh. they've done with it, which okay. could be kind of interesting depending on how they do it. So I'm I'm open to that. The Star yeah. Trek trailer, the problem it, it, with the new Star Trek Beyond movie is, the trailer anyway, is the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It just happens to be starring the cast of Star Trek. See, that? that oh, okay. That's why I can't get excited for stuff, because like I was saying, everything mm-hmm. I see... It's just like everything else. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. I laughed when uh, that got announced because all like the nerdly commentators are like, and this is just like another Marvel money grab, and they're showing that like people will watch anything by bringing these obscure characters out, and, and other people are like, oh my god, why would they take this big risk? Guardians of the Galaxy was like, fi- it was Firefly. It, it was like every post-Star Wars, Star Wars show ever. It wasn't a risk. It wasn't really anything different from anything else we've we've seen. And Oh, wasn't uh, there... Uh, I don't know if it's out this year, or sorry, next year. Uh, what about the BFG? I saw a trailer for that. I haven't seen the trailer for that. How does it look? Uh, very Harry Potter-ish. <laughs> huh, what a surprise. Well, yeah, like you watch it going, oh, the new Harry Potter movie. Oh, no, wait, never mind. <laughs> Uh, I did like. I don't know if you've ever read the BFG. It's pretty cool. Like I like that story a lot. I've never read it actually. It. So okay. Um, Dawn of you? Uh, no. Hmm. They actually have. Uh, they did do an animated adaptation of it mm-hmm. uh, years back. It's it's interesting. I'd be curious to see what they do with it because it is actually very dark mm-hmm. in in spots. And what's interesting in particular, it's one of those. Here's the secret world of things where at one point in the story, um, the government finds out about the secret world and then steps in. Hmm. Gee, I haven't. Which is something you don't see a lot in these kind of types of movies, right? Men in Black, R.I.P.D. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like the secret thing that stays secret. Mm-hmm. Everyone pretends R.I.P.D. didn't exist on. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to acknowledge that movie. They did two sequels. Um, oh, wait, no, that was Men in Black sequels. Oh, my God, I'm so confused. So The thing I, I'm actually curious about, not for the reason you might think, is uh, Angry Birds. Okay. <laughs> They're finally putting this thing out, and I thought, oh, boy, like, does anyone actually care about Angry Birds anymore? Like, is <laughs> this going to be one of these big weird flops? Because everyone's like, yeah, I remember that thing. I don't care about it anymore. Well, exactly. Angry Birds was popular, oh, four years ago. That's what I mean. Like it just seems a little late to the to the table. Way but, late, you know. Yeah, but, but it'll probably be like Minions, right? Uh, I don't know. Have you seen the trailer nope. for it? <laughs> I will have to go it's, look for that later. Yeah, it's um, it's not. Uh, it doesn't make me want to rush out and see it. Mm. I'm wondering how much of that though, like, was because remember a few years ago, like they were really pushing for video game movies. Hmm. And then Battleship actually came out. People were like, this is, um, what, what? Is it over? Cause I'm, did well, I think also it's the problem of when you animated films, you can't do them quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, if it falls into some sort of pre-production hell, you're done because, you know. 
I mean, keep in mind, for example, the last dinosaur, or sorry, the last dinosaur, the good dinosaur, mm-hmm. that that was in production for quite some time. Right. Um, you know, it kind of fell into a into a sort of a loop. Well, that yes. happens a lot with animated films, doesn't it? I remember that Frozen was also in pre-production for like something like 10 years or more. Oh, yeah, totally. It, it was very long <laughs> in uh, in its development time, so... And it shows. Oh, I forgot about Suicide Squad. That's okay. coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another movie I'm not going to see. Um, here in Toronto, I've actually seen Gotham PD police cars. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they were filming there last summer, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, last summer and a little bit into uh, fall, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there's Suicide Squad. Actually, to be honest... I would give Suicide Squad better odds of being a good film than I do Batman versus Superman. Eh. Well, it'll it'll I'm just curious about the hot topic Joker that they have in that one. <laughs> the 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 DC stuff especially I find tends to be really uptight. Mm. So I'm kind of like I'm I'm betting uh, that the Suicide Squad will be just like every other superhero movie. Well, but dark because I mean the Batman movies made so much uh, scratch that yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there must have been some executive order that said everything like Batman. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Well, everything is through a Batman lens. Even the new yeah. mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman movie, which is actually supposed to be the second Superman movie, is not a Superman movie anymore. It's a Batman movie. Well, no, because everybody hated the last Superman movie. Well, not everyone. There are a few people, including at least one who's listening right now, who loved the last Superman movie. Who is that? Oh, that's our one commentator, Jack. Oh, okay. Who will be pulling his hair out in a second? Anyway. <laughs> Hi, Jack. How you doing? Oh, but, what about? Uh, have you seen the trailer for Warcraft? Oh yeah, that's right. No, I haven't. Did it look any good? Looks like Warcraft. <laughs> no, it's completely CGI, right? There's not an actual live action element to it. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell. Be- I think it's full CGI. Like it might be like a mocap thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, Polar Express. Ooh, okay. yikes! <laughs> it's it, it's hard to tell. Well, I mean, obviously they've come a long way since Polar Express. Still, though, mm-hmm. you watch it and it's like, yeah, okay. I think I'm not sure if the humans. I think the humans might actually be played by actual people, right? I don't know. Well, they do it, that a lot because remember, it's a lot faster and easier if you just have actors or at least mocap actors going through the motions, right? And yeah. then you just map it yeah. on. Now, do you guys think? Like, what do you think of that film? I mean, is Warcraft still a thing, or is it kind of, like, sort of waned in popularity? It's pretty much done. I mean, Warcraft is... People are still playing, like, the Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft role-playing game, but it's not really that big anymore. I mean, if you ask any, you know, of the younger generation, they'll tell you people play League of Legends, which is basically spun off from Warcraft 3, but it's its own thing. Okay, but except for that, people really don't care. I mean, Warcraft basically had its day. It came, it went, but there were a ton of people who did play the game, so probably some of them will go to see the movie. That could yeah. happen. The pro- yeah, just how many of them? I guess is the question. I suspect not a lot. I don't think it's going to be all that big, but you never know. I mean, there could be mm. some surprises this year. There probably will be. I hope. Yeah, because that's because <laughs> that's the thing. Like. Like, when you look at things like, they did a Warcraft movie. In the 80s, that would have been perfectly acceptable as, like, a direct-to-home video kind of thing that you'd watch and go, well, that guy was neat, and that fight was cool. 
But when it's a hundred bajillion dollar movie that's going to be like shoved down our throats for three months before it comes out, it's hard to get excited because it's not going to be, it's going to be everything else. Mm-hmm. Just with Warcraft. And then the problem for me is I'm going to be waiting for them to break out into Jonathan Colton songs all the time. Wow, obscure oh, reference there. <laughs> not that obscure. Okay, I, I can do that. It's like Don when I watched Peanuts and I was like, you know what would have been perfect if halfway through the film it had stopped and they ran like a Dolly Madison commercial? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that is hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that there wasn't a Dolly Madison Some commercial in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even old. think Dolly Madison still exists. Does it? All the more reason to do it. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> That would have been hilarious. <laughs> that we see, yeah, that would be awesome. I, I would have even been happy if they stuck it in a billboard somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Or just they're walking through a store and you can see the Dolly Madison snack cakes on the shelf. That would have been perfect. <laughs> see, the only thing though is like that comment is kind of ironic, considering that one of the things I have a problem with with a lot of entertainment is that mm-hmm. it's all rehashes and remakes and sequels and nobody's adding to the mix and each time you get around because they're trying like like we were talking about before with the marvel movies because they're trying to coalesce it all together each go around you have less and less to it and it's well like, i think with the marvel movies at least they're trying to expand it a little bit like for example this upcoming year there's going to be the doctor strange movie coming out yeah and we'll find out that he's an operative of shield and Thanos is after him because the Eye of Agamotto is actually one of the Infinity Gems. And <laughs> what, what is it done yet? Well, or... yes and no, but at least it will expand the "quote unquote" Marvel universe now into the Mystic Realm. So in at least theory. this idea that it's an expanding "quote unquote" universe is there. I uh-huh. mean, yes, they're mostly focusing on the main Avengers characters because those are the cash cows for the mm-hmm. most part. But they are still expanding it. I mean, they do have like. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they have the stuff that's on Netflix like Daredevil and Jessica Jones which are technically supposed to take place in that setting too Mm -hmm. and so they are expanding it with each new thing that gets added to it. I know what you mean about the main focus still is very narrow and is still very much the Avengers. Yeah, and, and well, but, but I was going to say, Don, I think where a lot of these woes come from is the fact that now films are becoming so increasingly mm. expensive yeah. they can't take risks anymore because it's it would be disastrous if your two hundred million dollar effects film exactly you know, yeah goes down a route that like the audience turns on it and now you're <laughs> in trouble. Oh yeah. Not only are people getting fired, companies are going bankrupt sometimes for that kind of the money. Yeah. Or at least the effects companies are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Literally, yeah. So, yeah, the effects company did what? Life of Pi went bankrupt yeah. right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though yeah. the movie itself was actually a hit. And they, yep. they won tons of awards. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they were bankrupt. But that's what I mean. So, like, there's almost this audience, uh, audience expectation of... When you have an effects movie, it's got to be this big overblown thing, yeah, mm-hmm. and, which is expensive to create. And the minute it becomes expensive, all the executives get very nervous and go, well, don't do anything too kooky because we've got to make this thing as appealing to as wide an audience as possible. Yeah. Right? And thus you get into problems with, as you say, it's, you know, it becomes very narrow. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't need a lot of chance taking because it's just... It's not conducive to it. Right. And remember, it's also got to appeal now to an international audience who are considered more important than the American audience. Yeah. So, well, yeah. <laughs> so you have to follow international standards and codes. 
Um, you can't do anything that would possibly infuriate the Chinese censors, for example, because that yeah. will result in it not being one of the 30-some-odd movies that get to play in <laughs> Chinese theaters each year. Right. Which would Actually, you know what's funny mm-hmm. about that? You were, um, mm-hmm. There was a film that DreamWorks was working on that recently just went back into sort of uh, production. Um, Hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was a film called Boo, mm-hmm. Bureau of... Oh, it's like a Ghostbusters slash Men in Black thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard of it. R.I.P.D. Yeah. It's very much R.I.P.D., uh, but but more of a... Um, the characters all run around this kind of like ghost-busting armor, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. They're kids. And I thought about this, and when, you know, all of a sudden it just got it got pulled back, and now they're they're redeveloping it. And I wonder if one of the reasons is because doesn't China still have that uh, no ghosts and, and supernatural stuff in movies? Yep, they do. Yeah. Which is like, that's a huge no-no. Yep. So I'm like, is it going to get turned back into like, oh, no, they fight uh, monsters. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> the monsters are okay. Uh, I, you can't do ghosts. But they though, can't right? do like, ghosts. No spiritual yeah. stuff. They can't do anything yeah. that would encourage people to believe in the supernatural. Which is going to be right. really interesting with the new Star Wars film. How so? Well, why? Because the Force? Exactly. But I guess the Force is close enough probably to you know traditional Taoist Wuxia philosophy that they can probably get away with it by saying, you know, it's, they're channeling their martial arts energies and that's still okay. <laughs> yeah, because that wouldn't take much to redub. No. Yeah. Um, but there definitely won't be any Force ghosts in the new movie. Let's put it that way. Mm. Right. No dead people. But I'm are saying when you when you base a sorry you base a whole film entirely around kids running around shooting at these kind of ectoplasmic you know absolutely yeah <laughs> see through monsters <laughs> you know yeah. I bet that new um, Japanese series that's been kind of popular Yokai Watch where the kid's going around collecting ghosts with his like magical watch basically <sighs> ghosts this Pokemon huh? what okay. Uh, yeah. Don, you can just go back to sleep. <laughs> anyway, but I'm actually you know it's funny, Rob. I've actually been playing that game. Well, let me finish. I'm betting that that the TV show version or the, the comic version of that don't come out in China. Or it's heavily changed. If it's they're heavily aliens. changed, that's true. Oh, yeah, they're aliens yeah. now. Sorry. Yeah, they're other dimensional aliens. There we go. Yeah. Well, I, I thought the whole rule was you can, as long as, like, they erase the, uh, like, if they're just flesh and blood monsters, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But the yokai are um, And that's actually and easy to do with the game. The game, the way it's set up, that could be very simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're just normally invisible, but they're not actually... They just have to just downplay the whole spiritual thing. Well, which I think they kind of do in it anyway. I mean, they don't focus too much on the fact that these are dead people. I think they just kind of go with the idea that... Because remember, yokai are supposed to be more of kind of nature spirits and such, I believe. They're not supposed to be proper just dead people. No, they're not. Like they, that's how I was, that was funny. I was talking to a person about this because I've been playing the game just recently because I was curious to see what the big deal was. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is with Yoke, and I don't know how well it's doing here, and I think one of the problems is is that we don't really have an equivalent of yokai here, right? In our culture, like it's a very weirdly specific Japanese thing, yeah, because it it it, it sort of stems from their their view of, of spirituality, which is everything has a spirit in it. Right? So when you have a chair that you've been farting into a lot, the chair eventually gets mad <laughs> and makes, becomes a monster. Like, that's literally what yokai are. They're kind of like, almost like they're 
spirits reacting to something. Well, they're from that animistic tradition. They're from the idea that everything has a spirit. Every object, everything around us either has a spirit or could be brought to life eventually if you put enough energy into it or if people love it or whatever. Right. And so we don't really have that. You're right. We got rid of our animistic tradition, mostly by burning the practitioners at the stake. Well, I don't think it ever even took root here. It it's here, but that would be kind of if you wanted to make it more relatable to a North American. That would be the angle to take. That it's like the the native shaman tradition. Hmm. Well, I think the way they're 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 kind of doing it in the in the in the U.S. version is just literally, oh yeah, there's these weird little goofy monsters that make you do stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, they just take the spirituality aspect of it out because I mean, who could relate to it? currently anyway yeah because we don't we, those those you know, you know we might actually want to tell our audience what yokai watches before we go any oh. further <laughs> maybe that's good because most of them are probably not familiar with it so chad since you've been playing the game why don't you explain uh it's pokemans with uh <laughs> with like little <laughs> spiritual creatures versus flesh and blood ones that's literally the best way to describe yeah yeah basically it, yeah he's... you know you you collect monsters and you fight them yep mm-hmm. you collect ghost monsters and fight them Basically, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the next round of Pokemon, you know, monster collecting, mm-hmm. yeah. which is fine. It's its own little genre. It's cute for what it is, but yeah, it, uh, that's the best way to sum it up. Yeah, I think yeah. that sums it up. It's Pokemon. That, I think that covers it pretty well. Uh, interestingly, the, the the yokai thing does put enough of a spin on it to make it its own little thing. Mm-hmm. Versus just uh, a quasi-fantasy setting where a character sets out and starts collecting monsters because he's supposed to. Right. Well, it also takes place in modern day, right? In a theoretically yes. normal world. Well, the world is like, yokai's there all the time. We just don't, as humans, don't see them. Right. And that's what the watch is. The watch allows you to see these things hmm. that normally are invisible to humans. So I'm almost surprised that... I guess I'm not really that surprised. There's a new Pokemon game coming out, Pokemon Go. You've probably seen the stuff for it. Yes, the real life thing. <laughs> yeah, the real life thing, which is essentially the exact same thing, except you can yeah. only see the Pokemon through the, your phone's camera now. Yes. Because they're imprinted on the real world, and if you put your camera around, you can actually see them and catch them and fight with them and stuff. Well, what's cute in Yokai Watch is you can actually do missions where a yokai has been screwing around with a family and giving them bad luck, so you go in to get rid of it. Oh, okay. So you're almost there's almost like a weird Ghostbusters thing going on with it as well. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it's not just I'm collecting them because mm-hmm. right. You need to use your yokai then to actually fight that yokai and get rid of it. Yeah, like you, you know, they have a, you have your collection of them. Uh, you, it's a strange system because in the game you, you befriend them by feeding them. What do you feed them, Chad? <laughs> you pick up all sorts of stuff, like different foods, and they have preferences. So in the just before a fight starts, you throw them, mm-hmm. like say a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> you do that enough time, and it eventually becomes your friend. That's how I After met After knocking the crap out of it. <laughs> okay, wait. So you you are feeding the enemy monster that your yokai are fighting? Yes. Okay. And eventually, if you do that enough times with a food that it likes, because this is the thing, the game doesn't tell you what they like other than how it reacts. You have mm-hmm. to kind of, through the process of elimination, figure out what it likes, and then you keep throwing that at it until it, it gets a better opinion of you, and then it gives you a little <laughs> a little coin, and then you can use that to summon it from that point on. 
<laughs> you win the so instead victory. of capturing them, you get them to like you by bribing them with food. Yeah, it's the it, what it's doing in a literal sense is that you give it a hamburger and then you punch it in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that is so Japanese. And eventually, I guess, with a combination of feeding it the right thing and, and head trauma, it turns around and ends up liking you. I'm sure there's a psychological name for that phenomenon. Yeah, it's called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> it kind of is, isn't it? Now, now you got to admit, that sounds like a bunch of guys in an office are like, uh, we got to write a game. What do we do? Uh, Mad Libs, Ghost, Hamburger, Crotch Kick. There we go. Do it. Go with that. Well, I think, I think, I suspect it might be actually kind of based in its own... Um, mythology like i would imagine like do you remember in in old european mythology where like if you want to keep brownies and gnomes out of your house you put a saucer of milk out in front of your porch yeah mm-hmm. it i would imagine if you probably did some digging around in the uh in the yokai mythology there's probably a lot of oh well to keep this thing from coming into your home and giving you trouble you keep like a pear on the on in your yeah, garden sure. kind of thing it's probably playing into that if i had to suspect anything mm. you know i I think you're right, but I don't remember any legends where you give it, like, food, and then you kick it in the crotch and noogie it. And well, that, obviously, it's got to be your friend. video game context, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not quite right, uh, because pretty much every Japanese tradition, actually, most Asian traditions, involve a shrine of some form where you give them food, where you put out food as offerings for the ghosts. Yeah. Or for the spirits. You put out food for your dead ancestors. You put out food for the nature spirits. Shinto does that. If you see a Shinto shrine, there are usually bowls of fruit in front of the shrine. Yeah. For that exact reason. But you don't yeah, get so it might, be, it might be playing into that. Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, and yes, you could actually give it a hamburger if you wanted to. I mean, there's no... It, it, here, if you were dealing with the spirit of your uncle who loved hamburgers, it makes perfect sense to put a hamburger in the family shrine. And then punch It does. Yes, see that? The first part of that I'm okay with. It's it's the added bonus. And then when he's distracted, work him over. You yeah. Know, that's... yeah, once he's busy <laughs> chowing down, you send your other ghost in to, like, knock the hell out of him. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Because it's like giving him a hamburger while your friends kick his ass. You know? <laughs> What a strange idea for a game. It is very odd. So yeah, and you're not, not even very properly, Japanese. And here's the other thing too: you're not even properly catching them. These things give you a coin, which then mm-hmm. you use to summon them. And not even necessarily that thing; just that thing's species. It's it's a little odd, but in its own way, it has its own charm, right? So right. Wait. So the one that gives you the coin isn't always the one that shows up if you use that coin. Technically, you could argue that no, it's not. It's just it's just representative of that species i guess you know you could so what they're pimping out their buddies is that it <laughs> yeah it's weird it is really odd but I, this is what i mean it's got an oddball charm to it that I, I look at and go i can understand why people like this thing in japan kind of like this podcast yeah <laughs> people like this podcast it's got an oddball charm you gotta admit that <laughs> yes <laughs> so what you're saying is we need more punching <laughs> <laughs> give me a hamburger first <laughs> okay <laughs> But yeah, I do yeah. like the fact that there's sort of a there's an aspect to it where you're going like you know the kid that discovers the secret world that's been going on around him and then starts actively like manipulating it, which is kind of I think that's a good idea. Yeah, you know. actually, 
to be honest, I think in five to ten years, give or take, you're going to be really sick of that because once augmented reality really starts to become a thing that all the kids are like using with augmented reality glasses or whatever, suddenly everything will be that. Because remember, the augmented world, only you can see it if you're wearing those glasses, right? Yeah, well, that was the running joke with Pokemon Go is that all the really good Pokemon are in dangerous areas. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, oh, he's oh, you mean that that one shiny one that I really want in that junkyard guarded by a, a dog? <laughs> it might be worth it. Exactly. I really do wonder how they're going to pick where the Pokemon are for those things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that thing, but it's it's. I've seen it, and they claim they're going to be like in back alleys, and they're going to be in like um, <laughs> peaks, like where you have to go climbing up on a mountain top and everything to find them. Pokemon, yeah. I choose you. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I hope my Pokemon uh, keep me company and, and protect me when I go into this meth clinic. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So how exactly do they determine where these things are? And are, what about kids that are like so busy catching them, they forget that they're standing in the middle of a busy road? Because <laughs> you know what will happen? They'll do something like use like the Google Earth or, or their equivalent, and they'll place them like that, and it'll be recorded but in a year or two, a lot of places are going to change. And I think that's where you're going to see all the, the interesting things where this, like, this store used to be like, like a candy sh- shop. And that's where you find Candymon. But now it's a brothel and Candymon's still there as far as your computer's <laughs> concerned. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're exactly right. That's exactly what's going to happen. Does that mean you go in, you find the, 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 the <laughs> prostitute named Candy and you try and th- you're throwing Pokeballs on her head? <laughs> <laughs> Either that or like the people running the place are, where are all these goddamn kids coming from? <laughs> 50 kids lined up outside the local cat house. Yeah, I don't even understand how that's even going to work. I mean, you watch the trailer for this thing and it's it's pretty over the top. Like, it's like the game's not going to be that per se. Like, Oh, the game's yeah. not going to be quite that impressive. No. It, it's all just geolocational data. So yeah. you're using the GPS and you say at this location in the real world is this thing. But what what's really happening is you're interacting with basically a Google Earth, right? Mm-hmm. You're just seeing the Google Earth view of things, which includes a Pokemon. Yeah, like a, a buddy of mine is actually playing this weird little... Uh, he refers to it as the portal game. Um, oh, Ingress. Is that it? Where you have two it's sides Ingress. that's blue and green and you have to shut portals down or open them or something? Yep. Or? yep. And if you... So you go to a portal and you go to a node, so to speak. There are all these key locations, which are all public parks and like corners and things like that, public places. And at those locations, what you do is you you... Um, you can like hack into the node or whatever, so you like can give it energy points, and whichever team has gotten the most points at that node, the portal aligns to that side, and it gives them certain advantages in the area. Right, because he'll we'll be walking along, and he'll suddenly because he's playing the game, he just stops and goes, "Okay, there's a portal in that bulletin board." Like it actually, it's that specific. Mm-hmm. Right. So I I guess this Pokemon Go thing might be that specific. It's hard to say it. Well, let me put it this way. The makers of that game are the ones who are making Pokemon Go. Oh, are they really? Yeah, it's being it's a combination of Nintendo, Google, and that game. Oh, that game okay. Hmm. That's who that's who they hired to make it. It's uh, Niantic. <laughs> I also picture like, oh, so you know, if that's the case, then they'll be smart to have them happen around landmarks and not in someone's backyard. 
probably a good <laughs> idea. But as Don points out, things will change and they might forget to actually change things yeah. to go along with the uh, rezoning. Wow. So that's going to be pretty entertaining in the future. That You could come up with some pretty good story ideas based on that. You know what's funny about that? Mm. It's like way back when we were kids and right? we heard the stories of like all the people who freaked out and thought they were playing Dungeons and Dragons for real and wandered through the sewers that everybody went, that would be awesome. And that's where all of this is coming from. Kind of. Well, everyone wants to be able to experience a fantasy world and if you can do it while you're actually getting a little exercise and pretending to go out in the real world why not yeah plus to be able to do it in person it's better than running through the woods and robes going fireball fireball <laughs> well i do remember actually one one of the one of the pokemon games actually came with a little pedometer mm-hmm. that you could put a pokemon from the game into it and then by walking around you leveled the thing up which was a way to encourage kids to actually get off the darn couch. It was yeah. until kids figured out that the pedometer worked just as well by setting it on a turntable. <laughs> oh, or a paint shaker. Yeah. Like literally, I yeah. saw videos of people <laughs> online doing that. So that somehow doesn't surprise me. Okay, so I think we have veered wildly off course on this podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. from what this podcast was originally supposed to be. Although that we are ask. still talking about what's coming next year. Yeah. Um, So I suppose that kind of covers it. I guess my final thought of uh, the show, for me anyway, is that I think the best thing to come out of 2015 was probably the One Punch Man animated series. Mm. (laughs) That's my final thought on what was the best thing to come out of 2015. I'm going to add to that by saying uh, uh, Rick and Morty season two for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. And Don, what about for you? What was the best thing to come out of 2016? Of any genre or anything? I was going to go at One Punch Man, too. Okay. So, Chad, you're outvoted. <laughs> Get off the show. Okay, see you're, you guys you're, later. You're kicked out. <laughs> anyway, man, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks for coming by. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I hope we can do this again at some point. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm sure our audience will want to hear more about um, your animation background <laughs> and your interest in animation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, before we go, um, I'd like to wish everyone who's listening to this a happy New Year, since this show will drop on New Year's. Um, I hope 2016 turns out to be a great and nerdly year for all of you, and that you all have a great time and drink responsibly. Any last thoughts, guys? Nah. Uh, Yeah, really, just uh, happy (laughs) nerd year, I guess. (laughs) Happy nerdy New Year. Hopefully this podcast will have a successful 2016 as well. Mm. All right. Good night, folks. Bye. Take care. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at ObeyTheDNA.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya.